Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. This baseball show is presented by BetMGM. Walker Bueller on innings limits on the wild card and on his live BP that he threw in Arizona this past week and the live BP to come. Jack McMullen, Peter Apple. I want to hit on a couple of guys. I want to hit on a pitcher in Seattle. I want to hit on a pitcher in Chicago. And then we want to talk about two teams in New York. We'll do that in the intro. This podcast brought to you by... Bet MGM, the king of sports books. Use promo code just baseball when you sign up and deposit into your newly created account. Download the Bet MGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit betmgm.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. And if the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gambling problem? Call or text 1 800 Gambler and must be 21 or older. Yeah. It was great talking with Walker, too, because I really like the pitch count conversation, Yeah, right? You got guys who were sent down to the minors because of an injury, and we have a Miami Marlins pitcher, Yuri Perez, who was sent down just to manage his innings. Then he's come up and has struggled against the Yankees. And I'm also excited to talk about the New York sports because right now we are in historic times with the Yankees and the Mets. In a bad way. I want to start with yep. a good way. And I want to start with the guy that threw nine innings of shutout ball on Saturday in a loss. Andres Munoz took the loss for Seattle in a loss to Baltimore. Hell of a series in Seattle between the Orioles and the Mariners. Um, Baltimore ended up taking the two games on Saturday and Sunday. Seattle took the series opener 9-2. But the guy and the point that I want to hang on here is what happened on Saturday. It was a 1-0 win for Baltimore in 10. There are eight qualified starters walking fewer than two hitters per nine innings. There are only three walking fewer than one and a half. Logan Webb of the Giants is third at 1.46 walks per nine. Zach Eflin's second. He's been awesome. 1.18 walks per nine. And George Kirby of the Seattle Mariners is the only qualified starter in Major League Baseball with a walks per nine clip under one at 0.87. And this guy went nine innings of shutout ball, didn't walk anybody, struck out seven. 
he kept his team in that ball game when that offense did not want to show up. Walks are so massive, man. Opponents are hitting 240 against Kirby, puts him outside the top 25 among qualified starters. But opponents have a 263 OBP, 240 batting average, 263 OBP. That's 60 points below league average. And limiting walks in turn leads to win probability added. And I know you love that metric. I love that metric too. Win probability added is pretty much a measure of direct correlation to that individual impacting their team's win expectancy. So it's, hey, you've got this percent chance to win after this outcome. How much did that move the percentage? That goes in your favor if you were on the good side. That goes against you if you were on the bad side. There are three guys with a win expectancy over two right now in Major League Baseball. Pitchers. Garrett Cole, the Yankees. Nathan Eovaldi of the uh, Rangers. And George Kirby of the Seattle Mariners. The next three are Blake Snell, Zach Gallen, and Framber Valdez. And I'm going to get to the Mariners' point as a whole in a moment. But, dude, I think it's at the point where we have to look at George Kirby as not just one of the better young pitchers in baseball, one of the better pitchers, period, in baseball. Period, right? On his own team, you have Luis Castillo, you have Logan Gilbert, and they're fantastic. But I'd be curious to ask Mariners fans, game one, if they are able to enter the playoffs, which, while the pitching has been great this series, we got a great start out of Bryce Miller. They still drop those games to the Baltimore Orioles, right? They get a nine-inning shutout performance out of George Kirby. They lose 1-0. Bryce Miller, again, another great outing. They lose 5-3 in extra innings because the bats refuse to show up. But how about George Kirby? If he continues up this level of command, we talked about this like a month and a half ago that he was on pace. And I think a couple of us were like, yeah, he might set a record, but like, we'll see. Oh, no, it's the middle of August now, and... Right now, George Kirby has eight strikeouts per nine or above. And if he limits the walks to less than one per nine innings, he will be the only pitcher in Major League history, excluding 2020, to ever do that. I'm going to say it again. To ever do that. Sandy Koufax? Nope. Walter Johnson? Nope. (laughs) Bob Gibson? Nolan Ryan? (laughs) Jacob deGrom? Nope. George Kirby would be the only pitcher in Major League history, eight Ks per nine or above, one walk or below. He is on a historic pace of throwing it in the strike zone, and that's why we love him so much. No free passes. So 48% of his total pitches are in the strike zone. That is the highest among qualified starters. 69% first pitch strike rate, fourth best in baseball. But the number that I think, like if I had to choose one, and this is such a numbers-oriented show, you guys know that. Um, If I had to choose two numbers that I could roll with to value players, one hitter, one pitcher, I'm going WRC plus for hitters. And as outdated as it sounds, man, whip for pitchers. Walks and hits per innings pitched. It's base runners per inning. Can I walk you through the whip leaderboard real quick? Yeah, absolutely. No, just to add on to your point a little bit, uh, I saw an interview with Tyler Wells, who's like a whip king, right? Yeah. And they asked him, shout out, I think the the baseball bat bros, or I, I, I'll, I'll shout them out in the next episode. I just forget who that came from. But they asked him, what is the most important stat? Like, what do you look at? And he said, whip, whip, right? If I'm not allowing base runners, if I'm not walking anybody, I'm probably doing pretty well. And I, I came back from that like, oh, whip, like, are you, but his explanation, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's literally like ERA, you can't really control, but that's the thing is like, it's tough. You can control the walks when Angel Hernandez is behind the home, home plate. You can't, but that's for another time. That's why I like these. I like expected ERA and I like Sierra because I like to know how hard Quality. it's going off the opponent's bat. That's what I also love too. But I get what you're saying. If you want to nail it down to the nitty gritty, you're about to go through the whip leaders. It's kind of all the best pitchers in baseball. Dude, it's just base runners per inning that are your fault. That's what whip is. (laughs) Walks and hits per innings pitched. It's how many guys did you walk? How many guys got a base hit against you on a per inning basis? And the top five in whip right now, number one, George Kirby of the Seattle Mariners. Number two, 
Nathan Eovaldi. Number three, Logan Gilbert of the Seattle Mariners. Number four, Zach Eflin. Number five, Luis Castillo of the Seattle Mariners. Seattle's got something fucking special cooking right now. And then imagine if they could hit. <laughs> J-Rod's coming just... around. J-Rod's yeah, sure. Yeah. Did he, didn't J-Rod just make the last out, rudder on third, 5-3? Whatever. Whatever. I think J-Rod with rudders on base has been horrific this year. I'd have to pull up the stats, but I've watched enough Mariners games. He has been terrible with rudders in scoring position, and he's like the guy. Okay. You can't, like, George Kirby threw a nine-inning shutout, they lost. I know, it It just pissed me off because they have so much damn potential. And just to wrap up on the uh, WPA win probability added, Mm -hmm. the reason I love that stat is you get way more points. Like, all home runs are not created equal, right? We know those guys, baseball fans, who hit a home run when the team is down 7-1 or hit a home run when they're up 8-2. That's not going to factor into WPA as much as a base hit to give the team a lead, right? You look at the home runs and you'd rather have the home run, but win probability added, it's about what you do in crunch time. Nuts on the line. For all my basketball fans out there, pretty sure Damian Lillard would lead all players at win probability added. Yeah. Right in the NFL, Tom Brady, guys with big old nuts. George Kirby's got big old nuts. Kirby's got some freaking nuts, man. Um, it's nuts. All right. Speaking of nuts, I'm going to give you three guesses to pluck the two guys that are leading Major League Baseball in saves. The two closers that are leading baseball in saves since July 1. I think Felix Bautista leads overall. But since July 1st, in the last six weeks, who's leading Major League Baseball in saves? It's so funny because that's the one stat I don't really look at. I don't know why I don't look yeah. at the saves leaderboard. Like I almost look at the wins leaderboard more just because I think it's funny. I like know. saves. I never actually look. I just I'm like, I'm a guess. The Brewers a have been winning a lot. The Brewers have been winning a lot of five three games lately. Is Devin Williams one? Devin Williams is tied for first with this other guy. Okay, is it a weirdo? No, like I've got a point. Trust me. Can you give me a small hint? National League. National League. It's not hater. Think about hot teams. Not Rossi Iglesias. Nope. Kimbrell. Nope. One more. Hot teams. Oh, you want to talk about your new Cubs closer? Adbert Alzali is. The closer that the Cubs just plucked out of thin air, man. Yeah. Devin Williams is 12 for 14 in his save opportunities since July 1. Alzali is tied for the major league lead with 12 saves in 13 attempts. And since July 1, in 18 and two-thirds innings, Adbert Alzali has 22 strikeouts compared to two walks. Mm. That ain't the starting pitching prospect that came up in, what, 21, I want to say, and missed an overwhelming majority of the year last year. When he came back, it was, okay, is he going to be a back-of-the-rotation starter or is he going to make the move to the bullpen? Not only has he made the move to the bullpen, but Adbert Alzali is the new guy in line to be once good starting pitching prospect, didn't work as a starter, let's turn you into a lights-out reliever, and now he's the closer of one of the hotter teams in all of baseball. Alzali, We see this happen. We see that happen all the time too, right? Zach Britton, former starter, didn't work. Hater almost won the Cy Young. Josh Hader. What about Andrew Miller? How about Wade Davis? I mean, how about Wade Davis? So many guys. So many guys. And he's just next up in line. And he is nasty. And I'm so glad you brought up the walks. Because when I watch Adbert Alzali, he's going after dudes, which is so refreshing to watch from a closer. Baseball fans out there. How many times is your closer walked the first guy of an inning, then got a K, then a walk, then a ground ball, and your blood pressure is just through the roof. Ruth. Through the roof. Yeah. Albert Alzali is not cut from that cloth. He's cut more from the George Kirby cloth where it's at you, right? There's no base runners on it. And if they are on, they're earning a hit. And as a fan, like if I'm sitting there and my closer goes up a hit, like, hey, I'm throwing the strike zone. 
I like that. Challenge him. I, I'm always screaming at the TV. Challenge him. You throw a hundred. Challenge him. Albert Alzali gets it. And it's so refreshing to watch. And the Cubs, like, what was the big issue, right? It was their bullpen. They had, and this is, I'm talking about the beginning of the year, right? Because they had Stroman, they had Justin Steele, like they signed Tyone and there was some at least relative buzz towards their starting pitching. The hitting, you weren't really sure, but getting Dansby Swanson certainly helped. But then like you get into the midst of the season, you're like, ah, Mark Leiter Jr., Michael Fulmer, there was Rucker, no answer. who are these guys? But a lot of them have stepped up and no more than Albert Alzali, who's been a beast. That's the thing, man. So you've got, yes, you've got like Julian Merriweather sitting back there. Like, you know, Leiter, yeah, he's got a sub three, but do you trust Leiter to close down the ninth in a, in a must-win game? Like, yeah. Like, I know that's not the answer that you wanted, but like, I fucking love him. No, <laughs> I man. think he's great. Yo, I mean, Alzali. Alzali's yeah, got no, the I nuts, agree. dude. I agree, but I'm saying if the Cubs get in the playoffs and he comes in, he is not a hole. He is good. And and reliability. I, I love that you kind of singled out the reliability factor because what, what David Bednar was pre-All-Star break is what Alzali is giving the Cubs right now. Where Bednar, Literally, he's ran that. into some command issues, but it was like 40-3 to three in the K's to walks department for Bednar. He looked injured when he got the command issues. Like, that ain't Bednar. Bednar yeah. challenges you, right? We talk about Bednar throwing fastballs at your neck, like, but they're in the strike zone. But I want to talk reliable closers right now. Emmanuel Classe and Ryan Presley are two of the guys at the top of that list. Guess what they have and in Classe top? hasn't even been good that good this year. I know, but he's still top of the line. You know yes. why? Because they don't fucking walk anybody. <laughs> yes. Classe doesn't yeah. walk anybody. Presley doesn't he walk. He just gives up hits. Nobody <laughs> shoots themselves in the foot that's really good. Nobody. Yeah. And Alzelay no, doesn't yeah. shoot himself in the foot. Hence, I think he can be really good at this closing thing. I agree because he's got the stuff. And he's got the bravado on the mound too. You need that out of a closer, right? You need a little extra, yeah. little extra. Everyone, every baseball fan knows just that extra little spark. Yeah. Right. He needs a great walk up, like from the bullpen. We got to get him just a banger. Dude, isn't Bautista walking out to the whistles from the wire? I mean, the perfect Baltimore walk. That's really cool. And then he's just six, eight, five hundred pounds of pure muscle, just a fucking tank. Nuts. Yeah. I mean, when that dude comes out, like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's box office. And we need that for Alzali because he's going to get there. All right, you're going to take us to Walker Bueller on the uh, on the New York point that you've got here. But first, allow me a moment to tell you about our friends at Alts. Baseball card market is heating up during the second half of the season. Um, the only place to search for cards is alt.xyz, alt.xyz. Alt, the only platform that allows you to search all the major marketplaces and eBay at one time, download the free Alt app, type a player or their card into the search bar, and Alt is going to return you every single graded card that is available on any marketplace available for sale. Even better, you save your search, you're notified every time that card does become available, even if it's out of stock at that point. You will never use another app for researching and buying baseball cards ever again. We strive to be one-stop shopping for baseball coverage, Alt is one-stop shopping for baseball cards. Yankees, Mets, last place. Your thoughts? I just found this out recently, courtesy of Bob Nightingale. So the Yankees, they just blew a lead to the Miami Marlins. And right now, they sit 12 and a half games back of the division. And so do the Mets. They're currently in last place. Right now, we are recording in the middle of Sunday Night Baseball, so they're only a half game back. So this may not end up being true right now, but this would be the first time in league history if the New York Yankees and the New York Mets finished in last place. Two of the highest payrolls in Major League Baseball Sitting in the cellar. The Yankees have now lost seven games that Garrett Cole started, that he went at least six innings, and two earned runs. Those same New York Yankees have 19 walk-off losses since the start of last season. Guess where that ranks? Last. 
Yep. The New York Yankees decided at the deadline that they were going to stand pat. Aaron Boone, Brian Cashman, they believed in this team, Jack. They believed in this team. When in reality, since the start of last year, this is a 500 ball club. The New York Yankees at this point, you know what their percentage is of making the playoffs? 30, 25? 5.7%. Ouchie. This is an organization that is behind the eight ball. Analytically, in-house. This is one of the most pathetic seasons I've ever been a part of as a Yankee fan. And now I've only been alive 25 years. But at the same time, the amount of hype coupled with the pit, and I think a lot of Yankees fans' stomachs, that they're running back the same team that hasn't proven anything, and it's the same thing coming out of these front offices. It's the same message. Well, when we're healthy, look at the talent on the field. Even when healthy, the talent on the field is not up to par with the other teams. And the Yankees did not capitalize on a seller's market by selling off Clay Holmes, who, oh, that's funny. He was the guy who blew it to the Miami Marlins. Now, normally, you're going to hear me on this show scream and rant, and I'm I'm so done. Good. I are can't. We, are, we putting I the, are we putting the Yankee discourse away for the year? Because I'm I'm very in on that. They're done. They're okay. just done. Cool. I can't. I haven't. I didn't even watch the game. The Yankees Marlins. I heard they blew it. I've stopped. What I haven't watched the Yankee game in a week. And I'm normally a guy who watches every single game. I can't watch this team. They're the most boring, pathetic. No more Yankee talk for the rest of the year. If you're a Yankee fan and all you want to hear is talk about about the Yankees. Sorry, I ain't doing it anymore. Yeah, I don't think Aram and I are going to actively do it, but we might talk about the farm. Like, hey, if Spencer Jones has a great day, Drew Thorpe has been kicking ass on the farm, so we'll, we'll talk yeah, about I, that. I bet they're, I bet they're kicking ass. I bet they are. Let's see them in major leagues, right? I, Let's see them in the big leagues because they all suck when they come up. I'm in. I've been done with the Yankee discourse for a while. I'm glad that we're just kind of putting it to bed. Um, what I will say before we go to Walker Bueller is the Mets got embarrassed this weekend by the Atlanta Braves. That doubleheader. They also did too. That yeah. doubleheader was absolutely insane. Game one was what, 21 to three. Game two was six, nothing. I mean, dude, what? Atlanta's really good. Yes, they are. But the Mets, come on now. This is crazy. You see Rafael Ortega leads off for them now. It's Rafael Ortega, Mark Vientos, Jeff McNeil. That was the front three and I love for the that. Mets in game and one. I love that. And that's what people are stomaching on Sunday Night Baseball as we record. And like, whatever. <laughs> I know it's 3-2 in the bottom of the fifth and the Mets have the bases loaded with two away. Like, I'm tracking, but like. They might okay. win. Maybe they come back. Yeah, but I mean, dude, come on. That Saturday was absolutely nuts. So that's it, man. New York kind of stinks, but the Cubs have their closer. And the Mariners have one of the best pitchers in baseball, and he's 25 with five more years of control. So here's Walker Buehler. We're sipping on the elixir. We're talking baseball with Walker Buehler. As always, thanks to our friends at Buffalo Trace for supplying the nectar. Uh, Walker, man, you just threw at a ballpark to like L.A. Dodgers. We got to get into that. Also, the wild card race is kind of heating up a little bit. So um, we'll talk that. And you've never really found yourself in a wild card hunt. So I want to kind of grill you on some Dodger trivia there. But dude, how did that feel at Chase Field on uh, that was Wednesday? Yeah, it was good, man. The uh, You know, it was interesting. We went over there, Trinan and I both threw. We thought we were going to go face some of our guys, but with the trade acquisitions and stuff and, and how we're more platooning, there wasn't guys that really needed at bats guys are kind of everyone on our roster plays really. So uh, they brought over some younger kids and, and things went well, but uh, got another one tomorrow. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. What's, what's the goal of the first one? Cause right. It's the first time facing batters. And then you want to bring that into your next time facing batters. Like yeah. what's the goal? What do you want to get out of that first bullpen? Well, I think it, it number one, survive in advance, right? Like that's the, that's the big thing is like, don't feel horrible for the next five days. Cause that can happen, right? You, 
ramp up your intensity and and you're just it's not that you're not ready for it it's just it it weighs different on different guys and adrenaline and whatever uh like i was plus maybe a half a mile an hour from what i had been in bullpens but blake was up like four or five miles an hour he's kind of found something in the past couple of weeks and he's feeling good and whatever but you know if you go from 88 to 94 you're gonna you're you're doing more to your body and um so I was pretty pleased that I was kind of in that gray area where I was pretty close to my bullpens. But for him, I, I think we're ecstatic because we, he found something and found whatever adrenaline or extra whatever he needed to, to kind of get him going. Um, so there's a lot of different things you can look for or take out of a live or your first rehab game or, or whatever. But uh, for me, I, I felt good that it was kind of right at the same and, and I recovered well. I didn't feel great yesterday, but through a bullpen and so everything was coming out really good. It's just in the surgery, man, it's so weird. You'll, you'll feel awful and the ball will fly out. And then days you'll walk out there, you'd be like, Oh, everything feels great. And you'll throw like shit. So um, it's just part of it. It's trying to be as good as you can over for me, it's five days. Like if I can have zero to a hundred, as long as I have like the same level over those five days, you know, average, then then you're making progress. And uh, no, there's, there's some really good pitches. I was really surprised execution wise, kind of the balls were going in the right areas. Uh, I wish I thought it might be a little firmer just because I thought I'm on the mound and stuff. I would be a little uh, more amped up, but it is what it is. So if we did talk about this, I feel like we did, but it was really quick and really early. Like what's your level of, I guess, nervousness and excitement going into a start. And then when you're going through this process, like that's a huge thing, live BP on a big league field. Like, were you nervous at all? Was it excitement? What What's going through your mind uh, there? I think not. I mean, it, there's been some pictures that are out there, like kind of the, the group that was in the dugout was pretty insane. Just the amount of guys that came out there for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on really good in the bullpen, felt good in the bullpen, kind of was short. So in my buildup, instead of we're, we're kind of progressing a little slow at first with the amount of pitches I'm throwing to a hitter, but building up what I throw in the bullpen. So I only threw 15 in the bullpen. Normally I'll throw like 34. So my next one will be more in the bullpen and then same amount to hitters just because it's a little more gradual and we're kind of looking for like a takeoff in terms of my buildup, right? We I want to get the three or potentially four innings, so 60, 75 pitches. And so for me, I want to make sure everything goes really smooth and then we can kind of go if everything's going. So we're building it up that way. And uh, yeah, when everybody's out there, you get a little going. But it, as I said, it was, you know, 17, 18, 19 year old kids, not, you know, I thought I would be going and facing some of our guys. And, yeah. uh, but at the end of the day, like, as I said, I, I kind of executed some pitches the way that I wanted to, especially the cutter. And um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I think tomorrow's a, even bigger step than the first one. Cause it's really you're you've got one with the baggage of having done it five days ago. And, and, you know, that's something I don't think that people really understand. I was talking to somebody playing golf today. It's like, you know, people don't understand how um, wearing a, a season can be on you. Right. Like yeah. you throw 88 pitches. The first time you've been in a big league game on opening day. And then the next start is just, your arm is never going to feel the same. Like, and even when you get to spring training, I think a lot of guys will tell you the best we feel all year is right when we get to spring training. Yeah. And it, you're kind of, I think the great ones lose like 0.2% a start, right? But, and, and the guys that aren't very good lose half a percent. And I think as, as it goes, guys are probably 80, 90% of themselves at the end. Okay. So real quick follow-up to this. So this is like, I don't think it's totally off track, but I'm certainly like yeah. kind of veering right with us right now. Um, I was just a little Jason. Yeah. Just like a slight okay. right turn. I think I was obtuse. Just, yeah. No, we're, we're, obtuse. Obtuse. Sort of it's not a cute like a triangle. It's obtuse. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We're Good working at like 140 mean. degree angle right now. So yeah, I like that. Jason, Jason's, not Jason's a lot. Jason's better. How'd you guys do in geometry, by the way? Like B, B minus. Horrible. Horrible. A plus. A plus. Oh. Good best subject I've ever had. A plus. Proud of you, man. <laughs> um, so I I obviously 
we're reading a lot about innings limits and managing workload right now. And you see that with the younger starters in major league baseball, you see it in minor league baseball too. I was just listening to Ben Charrington who's the GM of the pirates say that we're looking at probably 20 innings in affiliated ball for skeins this year. But then you look at Baltimore situation, Tyler Wells was throwing the shit out of the ball before the all-star break. He goes to Bowie to kind of manage the innings and he's going to ramp back up for the postseason. Yuri Perez from Miami just came back too. Is that little break, like, does that almost kind of get you closer to that spring training feel? Or for guys, is it, okay, I was at 100% in spring training, entered the regular season at like 95%, and then that's going to get me closer to the 90%, 85%. So I'll take you through kind of my track with that, and then I'll go back to kind of my perspective on it. So my first year, my first full year being a starter in the major leagues, 2018, so I'd had surgery in 15, really came back in 17. So I was capped at like 120 that year. So I, and, or I was capped, but I never got there. I threw like 102 innings or something like right around 100. I think that was kind of the goal. Mm-hmm. But I was throwing five starts on, one start off. So they would, I would make five starts. They would send me to the DL or so in high A, I made five starts. They sent me to double A. I skipped a start started i ended up making 12 but it took i made 12 stars in double a but it took like 14 13 no 14 turns through the rotation for me to make 12 Mm -hmm. so i would throw five i would go on the dl i would throw a bullpen on that fifth day like a big bullpen like up down 60 pitch bullpen sort of a game but not a game and then i'd come back so then I made so I made 12 in double A and I made three in triple A. So that rounded out that five. Then I took like a week off and put got put in the bullpen. So that was how we limited mine in terms of I was kind of doing this little stair step thing. And they were kind of letting me throw more pitches as I went. So in high A, it was like three or four at three innings, really. Double A was like 75. So it was probably 60, 75 in double A, maybe 85. My last start there. And then in AAA, I threw probably 85 pitches. There's six innings, one start there, one or two starts there. Gotcha. So they were kind of getting me there, but they were easing me into it. So then come 2018, I made a few starts in AAA, went to the big leagues. The first half of 2018, I was on 75 75 pitch count. Like Like hard count. Okay. Uh, 75 to 80. So my third start in the major leagues, I threw six innings of the no hitter game in Mexico. We combined it. I was, I was out at 78 or something like that. Like it was pretty hard, but it's funny because we're going to talk about the wild card stuff. That was the one year that everything was really tight. And as it went, I was having a good year and I, I kind of shown I, I could help us. And that, that pitch count went away pretty quick. Once, once the, once the race got pretty tight. Um, but no, for that first half, it was like 75, 80. Like this is, like go get us five, like you better be clean and you better get us five. And that was kind of my goal, you know, given what, what kind of limitations I was at. Got you. So it was, it was like, it was almost limiting your output on an individual day, as opposed to this guy's going to go give it hell pre all-star break. And then he's going to take a month to just kind of like throw pens and chill. Yeah. So I almost, I mean, I think I ended up throwing like 145 or 150 innings maybe, yeah. Uh, with, with a stint on the DL in the middle and uh, I had two broken ribs, which was a weird one. Mm-hmm. But after I came back from the ribs, it was kind of like, let's go. Like we're, we're in the hunt and you're in the major leagues and you're one of the five and let's go. Uh, my, my big perspective kind of on the velocity thing and maybe where you can take something from Skeens or from Wells, right? Is Wells isn't a 98 guy, right? He's a 94, 93 good other stuff, but it's not like a scary throw, number one. It's not extreme velocity either. You've got to find a way to – I wish we had like a risk times velocity on the throw thing. Mm -hmm. But Skeens isn't from up here. It's pretty low, and it's 100, and it's violent at the end. Like it's pretty smooth, and he's obviously a big, strong kid. It's not not like he's just an all-arm guy. Like he's producing this velocity in a, in a good manner, but it's not like uh, biometrically probably the perfect throw. Yeah. But but what's the difference between him at 102 and 
the next guy at 94, right? The clean, really clean, really body leveraged everything throw or the guy that's got huge arm speed throwing 102, there is a percentage difference there. And in a way you have to treat that a little bit different. Um, I personally think if I was a general manager, I would be more on the rush the guy to the big leagues. If he gets hurt, he gets hurt. Let's let him learn, have a year to stew on it, right? I think that's more of the way that I would deal with it. Um, but you look at some of the smaller uh, market teams or the, the teams that don't spend a ton of money, like they're more likely to hold a guy at a certain spot if they think he's going to blow out, blow him out, take a year, then get him going. Because we've got seven years on that new ligament, eight years on that new ligament. And guess what? We've got him rookie to the end of our until he blows out again, right? And so – you know, people may think that's kind of a messed up way to look at it, right? That's but the nature of the beast. There's a lot of guys that debut in organizations at 23 because they're really good, or there's organizations that everybody debuts at 26 because that seven year window is when they're 32, right? Like, um, you can kind of figure that out quick. But also, you know, I think Tampa is one of those teams, and and I don't think that's a surprising one. They're notoriously for that time like how do you minimize spending but maximize output like they had a lot of 28 year old grown men that have played a lot of professional baseball maybe not the major league level but guys that were ready to go get out to the big leagues and you keep seeing it now they bring up guys that we have no idea who they are especially in the bullpen and they have two eights because they're they just know how to get people out because they've gotten a lot of people out in the past they just haven't done it in that uniform and I think, you know, when we're sending guys down to, you know, limit the arm injuries before a guy even gets one, I find the Miami Marlins situation with Yuri Perez so interesting, right? Because he didn't have any, he didn't have an injury, but he got sent down just to manage his workload. And right. he was one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball at 20 yeah. years old. And then gets sent down and then comes back up and it's routine four earned run type starts. Doesn't look like the same guy. I'm just yeah. curious your take on that situation, sending a guy down, uh, even if he's not in, injured to kind of manage his workload. It's it's tough to like really have a staunch opinion on it because if he came back up and was pitching great, we would not even be talking about it. But Yuri Perez I think we is a high-profile guy. I think we should be talking about it. What I think is if you're going to – I personally, because I, I kind of dealt with some of this service time stuff and and whatever – um, I, I will give a tip of the hat to the Dodger organization where like, if you come up and you're ready to be there, like if you prove you're like, they're not going to send you down. To f- now, maybe if you get hurt and they'll maybe do some things that way, but the, the send you to AAA outright, no injury thing, I think is so fucked up to be honest with you, because that kid, like that kid could be a free agent, like Julio at 27 years old. Right. Mm-hmm. And He's showing that he belongs to be there. Like there it's a lot bigger than just, can I go get people out sometimes? And um, some of these organizations, you think they just save 30 days on service time on that guy. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was a huge part of this union. The CBA stuff that we just did is trying to figure out how can we, even with that. So even with him going down for 30 days, like he's still so much better than most of the rookie pitchers he might get some extra money this year because he's war, his war is bigger than other guys and he'll get a bonus for that and, and all that kind of stuff. I personally think there should be a rookie Cy Young as well. That's just me. Like uh, in the NFL, like offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. I mean, not to be like, Oh, I, I should get all this up. But like I was third in the rookie of the year to Ronald Acuna and Juan Soto, like pretty good players, pretty generational, <laughs> but also like neither of them pitch. Right. So like, who am I competing against? Right. And so these guys that come up and Strider and, and Perez this year, and these guys that are elder, you know, I, I think is having an unbelievable year. Like they, they should be rewarded in some way. And luckily in the new CBA, there's a kind of the war based pool, but, but also like give that guy, give that guy a plaque. He was the best starting pitcher rookie in the game. I'm just curious too, because uh, we were just having this debate earlier about um, Tanner Bybee in the American League, uh-huh. right? Because you got Gunnar Henderson, you got Mastaki Oshida, Tristan Casas, 
And Tanner Bobby, again, is coming off a great start against the Rays. He's got ERA below three. But you look at the betting odds, or you just ask anyone, most likely it's going to be a hitter winning the American League Rookie of the Year, just like Michael Harris against Spencer Strider. So as a pitcher yourself, were you just pissed when you saw that Strider struck out 202 guys (laughs) and 130 innings? Michael Harris had a great year, but I feel like the awards, they give no love to the pitchers. Right, but I mean, I think... I think if you're a rookie, so let's take my rookie season was like 130 innings at a two six, right? Or two seven, whatever it was. Pretty good. I think for a rookie, that's probably hitting 270 with 25 homers over 400 at bats. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that's probably 30 innings at a two six, I think is better than that. That's like hitting 300 with let's say yeah. at minimum, right? Yeah. Say that's no. the that's the floor for the comparative thing. Like one one of those seasons is gonna is gonna produce five war and one's gonna produce three. And and so it kind of is what it is. But at the end of the day, like a lot of a lot of starting pitchers get paid a lot of money. So wh- what you're saying is like, oh, we're not as valuable as rookies, but we're still making the same money in the end. Like, you know, I, I just don't buy that. And so at least for me, I think it should be a, a consideration of let's have a Fernando Valenzuela award, best rookie pitcher ever, right? Like, I like that. Great pull, too. Yeah, great name pull, too, for the award. That makes perfect sense. Well, the only two options are both Dodgers. It'd be either Valenzuela or Nomo. What about Doc Gooden? Well, whatever you want to do. All right, let's jump into uh, some wild card talk. And you mentioned, what was it, 2018 was like really the only year that you were kind of in a wild card race, but you guys won the division couple of quick hitting questions no, we won the division because we played 163 but okay <laughs> but you were gonna but be the first you. wild card team anyways right, right we still had to play 163 we didn't win it we won it but we didn't win it yeah you I won it in the cheap way <laughs> that was one of my best games in the major league so i have to kind of 163 got you okay go watch go watch the youtube replay of that ball game folks um okay I got a hit too. did you get a hit good on you i had a ribby in that game how about it? And you did the upright run. It was great. I'm sure. Fantastic. <laughs> um, all right. So 2018, you guys play 163. 2021, yeah. you guys finished second. You guys finished a game back yeah. of San Fran. You win 106 games. Do you know the last time the Dodgers didn't win the NL West prior to 21? Uh, it was like eight years. 2013. Yep. Yep. That's crazy, man. I'm just looking at the win totals. I'm looking at where you guys finish in the division, man. I, I mean, you guys are eight and a half clear of San Francisco as of Sunday evening. You win the NL West every year except 21. Have you have you guys, like, have you ever been in a clubhouse that has almost felt the heat? Like, man, we got to kick it into high gear. Was it that 2018? Uh, I mean, I, I would say 2018, yeah. I think for, I mean, we dulled in in 21. Like we knew we had a really good team and we were winning a lot of games, but San Francisco just had one of those kind of special years. And and I think unsurprising just the kind of group that they had and they'd won a lot and they kind of, you know, some of those guys were on the back end of their career and, and put together some great years. So um, I think it was the first, it was probably the second year of the new regime over there and, kind of makes sense when you think about it, right? There's new stuff and they're learning and old guys that have done it that are confident, right? And the fact that they're major league baseball players, you know, I don't think Buster Posey had any qualms about walking to the field and knowing that he belonged there, right? But you get these guys some new information and and a new way to look at things and they buy in and they had a great year. Um, I think 18 was probably um, the most kind of pressure packed yeah i got you a little tight you think about the colorado yes. lineup that year i faced them seven times that year 2018 it was, it was blackman story arenado cargo is still there lemayhew was there daniel murphy oh. Ian desmond chris ionetta like they had a they had a really really talented team i think para was there off the bench yeah He's not like an easy guy off the bench. And they had David Dahl. They had like, you start looking through those lineups and like they had got, and it was Marquez's rookie year. He and I threw against each other a lot that year. He was like a hundred all year. 
uh, yeah, that was probably outside of San Francisco in 21. I, I think that 18 Colorado team had this, like we're coming to get you kind of thing to them. And they were talented and they were veteran. And I, I think that's the big thing is you, I can list off all those guys. Like they were all older with some, a couple younger guys, but like, that's what I love about our, uh, about our sport, right? You look at our team right now, we've got a lot of veteran guys and a lot of young guys. These middle ground guys are fantastic. And I'm one of those guys right now, but you look at teams that really make a difference in terms of Colorado the year before that. And the next year it's like, Oh, there was two rookies that made this thing special, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's a floor to having a bunch of veteran guys being an older team. But when you get rookies, it can kind of change the ceiling, I think. And I know I keep saying that. It was all in the quotes last week. But I really believe that, like, we're in fantasy football season. You know, I'm in I'm in floor and ceiling mode right now. And I, and I think in 2018, that was, a, that was a weird Rocky team with Marquez and John Gray. And they had some pitching. And it was fun. Are you a B. John Robinson guy? Are you, where are we looking? Where are we drafting? I, well, I just had a, I had a, uh, I've only done my dynasty. We started a new dynasty leagues. I have a one, one in my draft and I'm like, ninety. Or what? what'd you say? Yeah. It's uh 12 team PPR one point pretty standard PPR. You're taking Jefferson now. I'm taking Jefferson because I, I had C-Mac last year. And he was amazing. He was the number one fantasy football running back. I don't know if he's going to stay healthy to do it again. I like me, the Bijan story, but it has to be it has to be Justin Jefferson. Can I show you my can I tell you my twelve team dynasty that we just drafted? I had Absolutely. the eight pack. Absolutely. Yes. I took Amon Ross St. Brown at eight. Eight. I had the eighth pack. I know that's that's relatively early for him. It's dynasty. You got to take the young True. guys. But Jonathan Taylor, some... Jonathan Taylor went 13, 15. Yeah. Gibbs went 16. Jameer Gibbs. Where did, so uh, got, where did like, we're talking where about, did... I'm, I've got these guys their whole career, buddy. This, no, this I know. I, I know. Career. I'm talking about like, where did T Higgins go? My second round pick. Okay. I, I, I might rather have T Higgins than Amon Ross St. Brown. I got them both. Then I okay. went Burrow, Burrow mm-hmm. to stack T. Higgins. Then I got Najee, Ayuk, Dobbins, Kamara, Ashane. It's pretty good. I like Brandon Ayuk a lot. Pretty young, but some guys that might score some points, I think. Good on you. Football this talk with league. Walker Bueller. <laughs> we got a good league. I love it. Um, is it is it one of your MLB leagues? Yeah, I mean the lit the I will tell you guys the the player league, the the list on this, but it's a pretty there's a Hall of Famer in there. Got you. Good to note. Um, all right, let's jump into wild card stuff. More fantasy right. football talk a little bit later on. Let's start with the American League wild card right now. Um, AL. So you've got Tampa that's five clear in that first wild card spot. Division right. leaders, Baltimore, Minnesota, Texas, right? Tampa's yep. five clear, Houston two and a half clear. Toronto's got the final wild card spot. Then you've got Seattle a game back, Boston three back, the Yankees five back. Okay. So those are the teams so like I guess. Rays, it's Rays, Houston, Seattle. Rays, Houston, Toronto, Seattle a game back. Now NL then, me. NL. Rip it. Um, National League standings, Braves are destroying the rest of the National League East. Phillies yeah. are 11 and a half back. Marlins 14 and a half back. Then you have a so tight race nice. in the Central. Uh, Brewers are three and a half up of the Cubs and the Reds yeah. trail them by a half game. So the Reds are four out of the division lead. Then sure. in the West, your Dodgers have an eight and a half game lead over the Giants and the Diamondbacks are four games back of the Giants. So they're 12 and a half out. So when it, so for wild card, it goes Philly has the top spot. They're three clear. San Francisco sure. is one clear Miami holding on to the last spot. Cubs are half a game back. Cincinnati a game back, Arizona three back, but they've lost nine of ten. San Diego five back right now. It's a little top heavy. Yeah. A little top heavy. Let's start American League, and yeah. I, I think a lot of people want to talk Seattle right now. And in the intro, I mentioned this: 
three of the top five in Major League Baseball among qualified starters in whip, walks and hits, burnings pitch. George Kirby, one, Logan Gilbert, three, Luis Castillo, five. That front three is like absolutely dynamite right now. Down the stretch, how big is like having a front three in a rotation? You know, I'm becoming more of a Kirby fan just watching him. I I think um, out of the hand, it's it's pretty similar to what I was trying to do when I was younger. Uh, He's obviously doing it a little bit of an accelerated pace, right? They're basically a complete game shutout yesterday, right? Yeah. Um, No, he threw nine, but it was tied. No. True. Um, No, he's he's pretty sharp. What I what I think. Will be interesting is those three guys being in Seattle. They played in a little bit of the playoff stuff, but they haven't like done it yet. You know, I think both those guys are in really in their second year, and then Castillo's been in Cincy, and it's a little different thing. Like, it, it's one thing if you have one guy that hasn't done it. Like when I when I went into the playoffs in eighteen, it was Hunjin Rue who had been there, Kirsch, Rich Hill, and I was kind of the wild card guy as the rookie. Like to have playoff rookie all three of them you don't know right and not that all three of them are like big time talented and and whatever but you just don't really know there's some guys that love it and some guys that hate it um and until you know you don't really know so um i what was what was their big move at the did they do anything really at the deadline they moved Seawald for a couple of outfielder. It was Canzone, uh, they didn't Josh Rojas. They didn't Ryan. go and buy them. No, they didn't go I mean, buy. yeah, lateral moves too. because yeah, Colton Wong was not I think doing it. it. Big, yeah, well, he's with us now. He's been around here. I, I think they're one of those teams that you probably before the season would have said, "Listen, they're going to go get somebody at the deadline, right?" Mm-hmm. And maybe the way this sits, they're gonna. There's going to be a little like. Well, maybe we should have gone and got somebody thing just because of what I'm talking about. Maybe they would have gotten a right, you know, Lance Lynn would have been a a guy for them. I would assume just to kind of, even if on talent, he's the fourth guy on that team, at least he's been there and done it. And like there, there's some, there's a lot of value and like I've been here, right? Like that, there's something there. Uh, You know, if they're fourth in the, fourth in the wild card maybe there's going to be that we have a really good group we just maybe we were one piece away and um you know i don't know who they were like protecting in the trades i know they just called up the hancock kid that i've, I've followed for a long time yeah georgia kid, right georgia kid emerson hancock yep. yeah so I, I don't know if he was kind of the big chip that they couldn't let go but yeah it's interesting because you the way this new format is man like you can sneak in there, but if you should and you don't, I think it's super detrimental to your organization, honestly. Because I think it it creates this, like, we almost did it. We thought we could do it, but we we couldn't pull the trigger, and it just didn't work out. And, and I think Cincinnati is going to be in that situation a little bit because you've got this special group of three, four, five rookies there that, that – Personally, I think if you're going to go for it, right, I think they should have gone and got the most controllable right-handed starting pitcher they could have. They probably, honestly, knowing what they had, it's really hard to, like, get rid of Castillo. I know the guys that are in the big leagues now that are doing well were part of that trade. Yeah. But it's almost like they wish they could just trade back for him, you know? Mm-hmm. And then on, on the flip side, too, you have the Cubs – right who did add at the deadline now if they are to come up short they can at least say well we went for it we gave it our best shot and that's just baseball like we came up short i also they also also, have they also have guys like stroman and belly that are gonna can walk but they may have like what we're talking about with otani right you're you're investing in this like we're trying to go they just signed swanson for a bunch of money but you've at least shown those guys that are that can leave like no, we want to win here. And so whatever, whoever they like in this free agent class, at least they can say, listen, man, we're going to go for it. Look at what we did last year. Yeah. And as opposed to Seattle, where it's kind of a hard place to think about uprooting your life and going to live in Seattle, it's the worst travel in the major leagues in terms of miles. It just is. 
But in Chicago, you can sell this and you're selling it as if we're going to tr- try and go win, right? Yep. And I think, you know, the Anaheim thing by them not selling at all is what we were talking about. Like maybe they're trying to invest in at least the the brain of Shohei Itani that we were, we're not going to sell while you're here, right? Like maybe that's a box they want to check. And, and, you know, I don't know if he ends up an angel, but at least that's, they gave a you know one deadline they, they did it right you know but i i think that's the difference between this situation and the chicago situation uh i want to wrap with one of the stories of the national league right now and that's philly and philly yeah. you know the energy around michael lorenzen's no hitter was awesome a- and they made that move to go and get lorenzen in a one for one swap they've been big time buyers each of the last 2 years they got to the world series last year Seeing Lorenzen do that, seeing the way they click, and you mentioned like there are, you know, there's a different beast when it comes to name recognition, and they've got name recognition out the ass in that lineup and in that rotation. The the thing that jumps out to me about Philly is like they've got their guy in Bryce Harper. What is kind of your perspective, the player perspective of what Philly's got going on right now and and Bryce Harper as the franchise centerpiece? Yeah, I I think – for them, the assumption is that not all of those pros are going to have a day off, right? It's not, you can beat them, you can go and do it. And we've had guys, I really have never thrown great against Philly, but they, one of those guys is going to have a good day. Like they, Bryce Harper's made that amount of money because one out of three days, he's going to hit a homer and he's going to get a couple hits, right? Schwarber's going to hit a homer. He hits 40 a year. You play 162. One out of the four, he's going to, if he doesn't hit a homer the first three days, like, all right, man, I, I'm going to have to figure out how to not give up the homer to Schwarber, right? Like, Castellanos the same way. Maybe you match up better or worse against them, but I will tell you that team, they handle velocity as good as anybody that I've faced. I think that was kind of always the – the big thing for them, Bryce handles Velo really good. Schwarber doesn't care about Velo. Uh, Bryson Stott doesn't really care about Velo much. There, there are teams that you can go and bully if you can throw hard, but Philly is not one of those teams, and and they have a lot of guys that can hit breaking balls too. So I think that's why in the playoffs last year, you're going to see a lot of breaking balls, but you're also going to see Velo in the playoffs. Are. And I think that's why they kind of made that run is because – their lineup was set up to to be able to handle um, what was going to come their way, and I think I think the more playoff pitching that you see, right, or the more you watch the playoffs, like you're going to see veteran guys really handle that better than younger guys because you're going to see a little more breaking ball and a little more velo because everybody's amped up. So if, if it's normally 60-40 fastball breaking ball. And now it's 50-50, and the 50 on the fastball side is up. If it's amped up, that's a tough thing to deal with as a young hitter. What did you think about the uh, Trey Turner ovation where he was having that tough year settling into Philly like a lot of free agents do, Listen, and then the crowd Trey erupts? Turner, it, it has nothing to do with, Trey Turner hadn't had a bad year in his life. Ever, like, yeah. Trey is an unbelievable baseball player and a really, really, really good teammate. And I don't think anyone in that locker room will tell you like, oh, he signed a big deal. He's not like, that's not Trey Turner. I'm so happy for him that he kind of figured it out. Like in Philly, whatever it took there. But like Trey's always been kind of a streaky, like best two months you'll ever see. Not great but he's still a $300 million player. Like he was going to figure out at some point. And, you know, for him, I hope it continues the rest of the year and stops October (laughs) one. No, I know. I know that you weren't surprised to see Trey Turner turn it up. I was more asking, were you surprised that the always gracious Phillies fans decided to turn around and say, you know what? We're going to try and get this guy out of his funk and look what happened. Shout out Philly. Anything anti-Philadelphia, I'm not going to do it. That's yeah. not what I want. I'm just curious to take off. You're not you're not gonna get the clip. But, but. Philly's a Philly is a wild place to play. I respect it. I love it. Um, 
but that was a little bit seemingly out of character. That's all I will say. But it, it also yielded some results. So maybe, maybe yeah. for them going forward. They were saying 3D chess right there. I think Walker Bueller is pointing to the 3D chess the Phillies fans were playing right there. Um, hey, yeah. Walker Bueller, like enjoy, enjoy your dinner tonight. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Cheers. And that was Walker Bueller here on the Just Baseball Show. We really hope that you guys enjoyed that interview. Remember, the best way to support the Just Baseball Show is to get yourself some merch. You can find that in the episode description. I'm rocking my hat, too. And also, a best way to support without spending a dime, and Jack's wearing his his nice hoodie, get yours in the merch shop. But the best way to support without spending a dime is to subscribe on YouTube. Hit that like button, subscribe button, comment button. And then as well, if you could leave a five-star review, and leave a written review to let us know how much you're enjoying or not enjoying the podcast. Hopefully it's enjoying on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Definitely go support our sponsors, whether that be BetMGM, the King of Sportsbooks, or Alt. You can find both of those links in the episode description. That was Walker Bueller, but that's Jack McMullen, and I'm Peter Apple. We will be back on Tuesday. And with that, thank you, everybody.